Hello and welcome to the Plant Paradigm Podcast, where we have inspiring conversations with amazing individuals from all around the world and look for ways to create a clean, green and sustainable planet, us and all other beings. I'm your host, Tom Simak, an athlete and fellow plant eater who strives to optimize every living ecosystem. Passionate about looking after this beautiful floating rock we call home and all the lovely creatures that dwell among it. Just before we get into today's episode, I wanted to quickly take a moment just for those who haven't left a review on the show yet, I really urge you to do so. It helps us out so much. And for those who have, thank you very, very much. I read and see every single one of those and I really wanna set a goal to get to 100 reviews. It's, it's an arbitrary number, really, um, but it means that we can spread this conversation far and wide. Whether you listen to us on Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, or even YouTube, where you can comment, like, share, there's a way to rate and review. And if you could spare 10 seconds right now, literally, actually, you know what? I'm gonna put 10 seconds on the, top, on the clock. Let's go 10 seconds. If you haven't left a review, just to click that five stars. All right, I believe that's about 10 seconds. Thank you so much for leaving that five stars. I appreciate it. Um, and of course, if you want to continue the conversation, you can check us out on Instagram at plant.paradigm. But with that said, today's conversation is very unique, very amazing, very wholesome. It is with Jocelyn Rivas, also known as Jocelyn the Warrior. This conversation is one of triumph and victory. Jocelyn holds the Guinness World Record for youngest woman to run 100 marathons. She also broke the record for the youngest Latina to run 100 marathons by four whole years. That's incredible. During her journey, she discovered the power of plant-based eating and we'll dive into how that affected her performance as an athlete and her philosophy behind fitness moving forward. Her completion of 100 marathons becomes so much more inspiring when you find out that she was born with broken bones and had so much going against her. If you're not into running, I think you'll still find this conversation equally inspiring. With all that being said, I will see you all on the other side. Jocelyn, the warrior. Welcome to the Plant Paradigm podcast. How are you going? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. So have you, have you done your daily run today? Uh, I have not. I'm actually doing some recovery right now. So I'm actually not running as much. Um, the last time I ran was this Saturday, which is a couple of days ago. And I was only able to do four miles, but it's because I'm on my recovery mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Well, they, you know, they say the recovery is just important as the training because without one, you wouldn't be able to what, run again. Truly, yeah. And I recently did the eight marathons in eight days. So it was just like my body is just like I need to recover, like truly, you know. So I'm like, okay, I wasn't listening to it. And then Mm. when I went for the run, I was like, oh, I need to listen to it because there's no way I'm going to do more. What were you feeling? Like what was your body saying to you? Was there certain aches and pains or were you just mentally getting drained out? On this Saturday's run or? Yeah, what? yeah. When your body was just like, okay, I need to probably listen to, to my body. Yeah. I think it was just like my body started like, I mean, I first thing, the first mistake I made was I went out super fast. 
you know, you're running with a group of people. I run with wrong clubs. One of them is Blacklist LA. And I was running with them. And you just get that energy of, you know, the community. And then I don't know where I just, you know, I, I hit my own too. I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm good. And my legs were just like, nah, 100%. You know, they weren't feeling how they normally feel. They felt like very tired, but they also felt like, you know, like kind of like spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I totally get that. Um, we kind of jumped a lot around a little bit. So for those who don't know, I mean, firstly, I'll start with congratulations on actually breaking the world record and running the hundred marathons, being the youngest woman to do so and the youngest Latina at the uh, time frame that you had that. How does that all feel now? It feels amazing. You know, one of the biggest thing I never thought, like the goal was always to get to 100, but I always knew that since I was sharing a lot about it, there could just be someone who was, you know, moving in silent and they could just go ahead and break it anytime. So that was one of my worries, but also my worries was just essentially getting to 100. I was, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to see how far I can get. The goal was always to get to 100, but you just never know what could happen, you know? So mm. luckily I made it. <laughs> I mean, what were your, you, you mentioned like, sometimes we all have like imposter syndrome. Like, can I do it? Can I do it? Maybe not. At what points in your journey did you feel like, you know, I don't, I don't, or did you even feel like, I, I don't know if I can do this, you know, hundred marathons, that's a lot of kilometers. Like, can I, am I able, or is my body able to do that? Yeah, it was actually in marathon 25. It was, I was running it here in Orange County, California, and I was just not having a good run. It was an awful day things were just going bad, like bad after bad. It was super sunny, humid. Um, I just felt dehydrated. I felt so many, like my legs were giving out. And I was like, I'm supposed to do this 75 more times. I was like, how am I going to get through this? And when I finished, I felt, you normally feel very like accomplished, but instead I felt very defeated instead. And I was just like, wow, like my body's weak. I started kind of kind of putting myself down like my body's weak I, I just can't do this and it was a really hard marathon but then you know you just gotta keep showing up and luckily I kept showing up and they got better and I also you know did a lot of different things in that time I went ahead and kind of noticed okay what am I doing wrong and one of those things is that I was trying to always run a faster marathon time and obviously that's like kind of very hard to do. And I was yeah. beating myself up for, you know, not getting that faster time. But then um, I was I need to let go of that and just focus on completing, you know, every marathon, no matter what time. Mm. I mean, what were you kind of thinking in terms of how fast you'd like to run these marathons? What was like your goal pace? My goal pace was always to run it like in around like four hours to four uh, thirty. So sometimes some of them were 435, which was fine. But then that day, I think I ran it in five hours. So I was kind of like, oh, I'm over, I'm over, you know, it's like five hours. I was like, damn, I missed it, you know. Um, but yeah, that was a go to always stay under five hours. But then I let go of the time. and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to take photos and I'm going to enjoy this journey. Um, because at that point, I think it wasn't becoming enjoyable which is so early in the stage. And I was like, okay, I'm totally doing this wrong because I'm like, you know, things are not working out and I'm not enjoying it. 
So I just did a lot of changing things and, you know, kind of letting go of expectations of what people had of me, of, you know, having to run it at a certain time or anything like that. Mm, I find that's a really common trend within, I guess, athletes of all kind, because overall we have to, like, we work really hard. Like we're training, like if you're running, I'm not sure what your most, like, you know what it's like to run eight marathons a day and you know what it's like eight marathons in a row. Sorry, not in a day, Jesus. Um, But you know, the training that it it takes and it's, it's hard work. And so sometimes I feel like we get lost in the hard work and we don't realize how, Hey, there's meant to be joy attached to that. And then mentally we're then like, maybe we're not deserving of joy when we're not working hard and when we're not pushing that, that pace. And I guess you really got slapped in the face with that reality. Yeah, I definitely got slapped. And I think it was honestly a good thing. It had to happen. And I'm so glad that it happened like in the early stage of, you know, my marathons. Um, Cause when I started this whole goal of running a hundred marathons, I would, I had only ran six. So I was still like, I had just, I guess, ran 90 marathons, part of the goal, but it was early stage. And so that helped me for the future of, you know, just being consistent and just keep showing up and running. And obviously that helped, but yeah, it it was, it was something good to happen. You know, I think we all need it sometimes, you know, things must go bad in order for you to become better, or at least in order for you to get to your goal. Oh, for sure. I mean, you mentioned your first I believe from my research, your first marathon was when you were 17 back in 2014. And what I want to go back and kind of look at your journey as you've progressed. When, what, why did you choose after have running only, did you say six marathons or around there? Okay, I'm going to, I've run six and now I'm going to 15 times that or whatever that number is and do a hundred. Like, where did your journey come from? Why would you want to do something like that? Yeah. So, uh, in 2013, I went to see the LA Marathon. Uh, I went to cheer a friend on. And I was in mile 18, which is like one of the hardest miles when people normally hit the wall, they start walking or, you know, they're just completely dead or, you know, they decide, you know, like, oh, wow, like this is actually hard. But I decided to go out there and cheer people. And I saw kids that were part of this program in LA called Sooners One LA which is like middle school kids, high school kids running a marathon. And I also saw, you know, people who were like 60 year old, 50 year olds. And I was like, wow, like the range of age is so big, you know, like it's kids. And also in a way, it's also like, you know, um, adults and it's like very large. And I really, that was the moment that inspired me to run a marathon. And I was like, I want to run one. Like I kind of questioned myself and asked what, what's preventing me from being out there. And I did remember that I was born with a broken back, neck and feet. And, you know, I still deal with a lot of back pain and neck pain. But I think I was just tired of kind of like limiting myself because of, you know, my past medical history. And I decided to, you know what, like, I'm going to train for a marathon. And six, I think, yeah, six months later, they started the program Students in LA again, and I signed up. But yeah, it was it was kind of like, a struggle to sign up because my mom didn't want me didn't want me to run the marathon due to my medical history so she was very concerned but I I think she was also the reason why I was able to finish my first marathon because she told me I couldn't run a marathon 
So it was more like I wanted to prove it wrong. Mm. Sometimes yeah. that's all it takes, just wanting to prove. Because if it's not yourself that's putting yourself down, it's other people. And I guess it's easier with other people because you have that ego and you have that for better or for worse, you know, that really pushes you. So you, you were born with a broken back, neck, and, and anything else? And feet, yeah. And so how – I'm not understanding how it's like – how you recovered from all that. I'm just flabbergasted and then gone to then run. You're just really a testament to what we can do when we kind of put our mindset to it. And you would have had to overcome a lot of limiting beliefs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I was basically born like that. And the first two years of my life, uh, I just kept going in and out, out of therapy. And it was also, you know, just a lot of, my mom having to take care of me and my grandma, but it was just something that they have to deal with. And luckily after like two years and a half, my body started getting back together, starting fighting back and, you know, and luckily it, it was able to get back together. And, you know, throughout the years, um, when I came here to the US, I started, you know, like any other kid, I looked normal, but I always had a lot of neck pain and back pain. And I never understood why. And then my, I just kept complaining every single day, like after waking up, mom, like my back hurts a lot, my neck hurts a lot. And I think one day she just decided to tell me like, hey, yeah, you know, you were born with the broken back, neck and feet. And I was like, okay, now it makes sense why I always have this pain, you know? <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, you should have told me sooner. <laughs> but yeah, that's how I found out about it. But um, luckily, I didn't have like feet pain, you know, that was yeah. one of the things that I didn't deal with. I mean, how did that because when we're looking at running a, a marathon, a lot of people never get to run the marathon. And that's not because they run the marathon and drop out midway through they kind of just in the training for it, which takes upwards of six months at minimum for someone who's quite untrained. It's a new thing for them. How did you get through the pain and knowing when the pain is good and when it's bad? Well, that was one of the things where I think, well, I really needed like a reason to do it. And that was my mom, which was just to prove it wrong. But literally, I think it was a lot of asking my teammates, hey, like, do you have any back pain? Do you have any neck pain when you're running or after you run? And they were like, nope, none. And I would ask like every single time, like different kind of teammates, because we were built like 30 kids inside that team. And every single time, they're like, no, I don't have any of that. And I was, that's when I realized, oh, damn, like, I'm needing with extra pain here. But I think it was a desire just to prove that I could do it. I, I think when I crossed that finish line to my first marathon, um, you know, in the hope, the whole way I was just like, I'm doing this just to prove my mom that I could do this, you know, just to prove it wrong. But once I crossed that finish line, that's when I realized, no, like I was doing this for myself too, you know? And mm. it was also essentially the moment where I realized I'm in love with running, you know, I love how it makes me feel. And I think that was the moment where I, I, I realized, I know, like I, I'm doing this not just for my mom, but for myself too, just to see that, hey, it is possible to do it. Mm. And then fast forwarding, forwarding a little bit, you know, at your six marathon mark, you decide like, hey, I want to tackle this uh, record. But then along the line, you would have attracted some attention from a lot of, I guess, 
female empowering communities, but also Latina communities, because you're going for something that's, that's new and that's creative. And that really pushes the limit of what both a young female can do, but also a Latina. What has the, I mean, crossing that finish line, hundred marathons, how did you receive feedback from the communities? Uh, I think it was a moment where I'm just like, First of all, I didn't think I was going to get there. The goal was always to finish my first, I mean, finish the 100 on my first marathon. So to make LA Marathon my first and my 100, kind of like ending the cycle. And it was like, that was the whole mission of it because I wanted to end where essentially where I was kind of like created as a runner, you know, it's essentially where I became a runner. I wanted to finish where my community could see me running and I think that was one of the things I was able to accomplish uh, when I was running. Like you just saw people cheering for me, kids, little girls. And the whole goal was to inspire women and girls to see that, you know, anything is possible no matter what. Uh, I think that was my biggest mission, like to inspire them. And I think because growing up, I never had someone I could look up to that was, you know, athletic, or at least that I knew that, oh, wow, like this person's very athletic in this, or in this field, that was Latina, at least. And I think that was something I got back where people were just like, oh, you're very inspiring. And I think I want to keep on doing more. So then I can inspire more people to see that they can also accomplish what I accomplished. Because the goal is not for me to stay with this title, I hope someone else comes along and, you know, gets inspired and they're like, wow, I can do this, you know, and I hope someone else, someone else is able to do that. Yeah. I find what's really fascinating amongst uh, the few record holders that I know is that they always have that mentality of records are made to be broken. So, you know, the pain and the record has done, I mean, if I were to take a really philosophical approach to it, the world record has done what it's meant to do for you. You know, like you've gone through your journey, you've grown and you've inspired those, those communities, which is amazing. And now it's time for someone else to have that opportunity yeah. to really grow as an individual, which is a really cool way that someone can really grow in that spot. But I'm really curious, like you've got six marathons in, is that when you contacted Guinness world records to say, Hey, can I do this? Uh, actually, when I was going for when I had just ran six, I was only going for the record for youngest Latina to run 100 marathons. I only knew about that one. Um, later on, a couple months later, I heard about the youngest woman, but I heard that, you know, I, I think someone had broken it down to a certain age. I was like, okay, like, I, I'm not gonna do it, you know, like, th there's no way I'm gonna get to it. But in 2019 and fall, uh, the LA Marathon contacted me and they informed me that they had talked with Guinness World Record and Guinness World Record had told them, hey, she's actually in pace to break the record for the youngest woman to run 100 marathons. If she, obviously, if she decides to go for it, she's going to have to run a lot more marathons in a year. At that time, I was only running, I think, six marathons in a year or 12. And so it was very low compared to how much more I was going to do. And so I, I mean, as soon as I heard about that, I was like, there's an opportunity. Why not go for it? You know, mm. like kind of like the door open for you. Why not go for it? Even if you don't get to it, um, you know, we'll see how, how, how far I could get. But that's when I decided to go for it. And that was in uh, fall of 2019. That's awesome. Before the, yeah. 
Yeah. And so they essentially, it's really easy to track that record because it's all, you're tracked by your number. So it's nothing more you really need to do, which is really convenient for you. And I guess kind of following on that, the, the way that you were put onto my radar is midway through your journey around marathon 47, I believe you actually went plant-based. So how did that come on your radar? Yeah, you know, uh, I became a vegan. I didn't even become like a, you know, vegetarian to vegan. I went straight from eating meat, chicken one day to just going vegan 100%. And the thing that really inspired me, I think, was during my uh, marathon journey, I kept getting like a lot of, you know, pains, a lot of aches, and my recovery was just taking so long. And instead of, you know, being able to run like, the next day, I had to wait four days to run because my body was still recovering from the marathon. And I search up, you know, how can I, you know, recover like faster. And then that's when I found out about like, oh, a plant based diet helps you with that. So I tried it for three months, I went vegan, and it was hard. But I really enjoyed it. But it was more like, oh, I'm just gonna do this for three months just to test it out. And in those three months, I literally got my best times, my recovery was the best. And I was like, wow, this works. But then I went back to eating chicken and shrimp. And I was just like, oh, man, I'll I'll start again in January. I couldn't go back in January. So then the movie came out, the one uh, Game Changers. And I wanted to watch that one because I felt like I just needed something to kind of like inspire me again or to like give me that spark or I guess it was like I needed like a true like very like good reason you know and I have always been like you know very supportive of anything but it was like I guess I just needed something extra you know like for me to Mm. push me to go vegan again and I watched the movie and I was like here goes I'm gonna go vegan you know and the next day I ate chicken (laughs) but (laughs) But then the following day, I was like, okay, that was it. That was it, you know, like that was the last last thing I ate. And then, yeah, after that, I have been 100% vegan. Um, I haven't looked back. And I think it's like one of the best things I did because it helped me so much with my recovery and marathons. Um, I already knew that because I had tested it for three months. But I think if I wouldn't have done it, I definitely would have been in a lot more pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. What's really funny to hear about that is, you know, you've done your your 47 or 50 marathons, wherever it was around there. And people, I'm guessing, and and you might be able to hopefully say I'm wrong, but I'm thinking a lot of people like, no, you've you've done so well, you're so far. Why would you want to ruin that with a vegan or plant based diet? Did you get like, what kind of pushback did you get around that? Well, I think the biggest thing here, well, I did it when I was 42. So I think it was 41 or 42. Uh, so I think, yeah, it was more marathon 42 and uh, I shared it on social, like, as soon as I watched the movie, I was like, Oh, I'm a go vegan. And I shared it. And, you know, some people were like, what you out of all people, because I always like, you know, I always, I had had vegan friends, uh, you know, in high school, they were actually my closest friends. And I always told them like, I can never go vegan. I can never, not me, you know. I love eating all kind of food. And at the end, they're like, what? You're going to go vegan? And so I think many people thought I was kind of joking around. 
or they expected me to fail. Uh, and, you know, it's sometimes, I mean, I could fail where maybe I, one day I was starving, but, you know, because I didn't know how to eat properly in the beginning. But um, I think it was like people just expected me to fail and just to do it for a couple of weeks and then say, oh, you know, that's it. But one thing about me is once I say I'm going to do something, I'm just going to do it no matter what, you know. And there was like the first month was the hardest. Um, and the reason why it was the hardest was because I really didn't have food to eat. <laughs> so I hadn't gone to the, you know, store and gotten all my produce. And so that made it hard, but I survived. <laughs> Mm. it's almost like that same story with your mom and finishing your first marathon the reason you did it was to prove her wrong right so it's the same concept the reason you're stuck with a vegan diet is to tell people who or yourself that you couldn't do it you're like no i'm going to prove myself wrong or i'm going to prove x person wrong but i'm really surprised you didn't get more i guess backlash considering you were almost i'm thinking you might have had some sort of pressure with the communities like you're representing this large group of people you can do it we believe in you don't screw it up so it's awesome how you took that and even at a young age like I went vegan when I was 19 so I didn't feel any difference so I can't talk about that because when you're 19 your body is just like a unit like you can you can literally put anything in your body and you'll still be okay because it's really good at sifting stuff out but you were actually putting your body through so much stress I'm always grateful that you had some sort of tangible thing like, no, this is actually really helping me. You can see my recovery, my time. So um, that's a huge blessing in regards to going plant-based. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree, you know, and yeah, definitely. <laughs> the part where you say, oh, she's going to screw it up with going vegan. Uh, that was one of my worries, you know, uh, I was like, is this going to only work for a certain amount of time? Is this only like, you know, a certain amount of time but I I think the biggest thing here like you know the movie itself just showed me so much science and I was just like why am I gonna if there's a better way to live if there's a better way to help your body and you're not essentially damaging or you know killing animals why not do it you know like if there's an opportunity for you to be a better human being why not go for it you know and I have always been that person that you know wants to be better and it wants to grow and I think that I think that was also like the extra motivation you know I wanted to always I always want to be that person who's helping and who's helpful and I think that just came you know with veganism I was just like I could do it why why not do it you know um so that's how it happened yeah, for sure. It's a really nice, veganism is a lifestyle that helps you align with your values, really. So if you value compassion, if you value nutrition, environment, ethics, etc. cetera. Um, but I'm curious as you've, like, obviously every time, I, I think most people when they start on this <clears throat> vegan or plant-based journey, there's a lot of mistakes to be had. You're not alone there. We all, we all do it. I've made mistakes on my journey. And now considering you're now looking to tackle ultra marathons and, and you've got more marathons coming up and, and different kind of fitness regimes and now in your recovery mode do you have a certain philosophy or way you eat um plant-based now like do you do you do any fasting with your plant base do you try to have a certain carb to fat to protein ratio how do you approach nutrition now 
Uh, that's a good question because I think I eat whatever I want. <laughs> I think, you know, uh, that's one of the things I kind of let go where I was just like, even though I'm an athlete, I still want to enjoy everything that there is of food. And so you're always going to see me, you know, with a cup of ice cream, always eating every single night. But I feel like it's also like a treat to myself for, you know, all the work I do. But I think itself, you know, I, I eat a lot of carbs as a, you know, marathon runner. That's always like my focus, a lot of eating carbs. And I know for mainly vegans, it might not be, but that's just, you know, what I need for my body to function. And I think another thing for me, um, protein itself um in the beginning I took it very serious and now I, t I take it a lot lightly you know super lightly I was like yeah you know I used to like freak out about the protein and then I go to the doctors and they tell me like no you're good in every single chart like you're eating perfectly fine and I think I always felt like I had to eat a lot of protein um and so now it's more like you know I kind of eat kind of like whatever I want essentially still, but I I am allergic to beans. So that was one of the things that oh kind of made God. it hard. Yeah, beans? A, um, black beans and pinto beans is lightly, but uh, uh, basically I develop a gastrointestinal issue due to eating a lot of gels during a marathon uh, yeah. and there were honey gels. So, you know, and so there were, you know, this was before me going vegan, you know? Mm. And at the end, I was like, how am I even going to go vegan if I can't eat beans anymore? And that was the hardest part, you know, because I actually used to eat beans every single day. Even mm. when I was, you know, a meat eater, I was always eating beans. It was always my favorite protein. So <laughs> it was something interesting to learn. And I, I just, you know, eat whatever I can eat, you know, but it, it's more like that, you know, um, it's, it kind of sucks because it used to be my favorite plate of food, honestly, just the mm -hmm. soup of beans uh, with some rice and avocado. And that was my favorite meal. And now I can't eat it, but <laughs> that's what happens when, you know, and you live off I, gels, energy gels. Yeah. <laughs> God, they're Literally. actually, I just wanted to give a moment how bad energy gels taste. Like I, I still haven't found a new one. And last time I tried an energy gel, I literally vomited. I like put it in my mouth. I put the water in, gushed it about because I'm trying to smash it in. And then I'm just like, I just couldn't do it. It's some of them are so bad. Which one? Do you remember the brand at all? Or what was I don't, the I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to be mean, but no, no it, it was Cliff. It was Cliff Mocha, the Mocha flavor. It was like okay. coffee chocolate. And I was like, this is just the worst flavor. Like, I don't they like that one. I agree. That one's not so good. Um, but yeah, I think there's some good ones, uh, but it's hard to find it because once you get used to a gel, you're supposed to switch to a different gel. So your body really? doesn't get sick to it. So you're always supposed to be kind of like switching off. Some people, it has always worked, but that was me. It always worked with Honey Stinger, which was mm. a great company. It works great, but you know, for doing it for so long, I, I just, now I can't even take gels. When I take gels, I have to put it like in a cup of water and then I have to put it in and then just mix it. And it's kind of like a drink instead of, you know, the actual gel. And I tend to eat a lot of potatoes and sweet potatoes, oh, pickle juice and pickles, kind of like salty food and chips doing a marathon just so then I could continue, you know, chips, running. Like, yeah. like potato, like, like fried chips. Yeah. Potato chips, yeah. I love potato chips. It's like one of my favorite things to eat. 
during a run. <laughs> yeah, towards the last miles, obviously, but not like in the beginning. Yeah, towards the last miles, like after mile 20 and plus. I know a lot of runners, a lot of marathon runners, a lot of ultra runners. Not once have I heard that. What? Yeah. Is that, a, is, have you seen other people do that or is that just a Jocelyn thing? No, it's other runners too, you know, and I think because I, some of the races I've done is not just a marathon, but it's also an ultra marathon mm-hmm. or a 100 miler. So by that point, people are eating food while you're running. And at that point, well, I see chips, I'm going to eat chips. And I mm. mean, I, yeah, they're pretty great. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so looking into your running now that you're in your recovery mode and then are you going to start training eventually for your next events? Yes, I am starting February. I got a new coach now. And so I am planning to do a lot better now that I don't have to do so many back-to-back marathons. I'm planning to do a 50 miler this year, a 100 K and also a 100 miler. So hopefully Mm -hmm. I'm able to do all of them. Awesome. Do you know, could you give us a rough like day, uh, almost like a week of training or day of training that you would go through to, to train for something like this? It's definitely going to be a lot of high mileage. So I'm used to like, you know, running 40 to 45 miles per week uh, for a marathon uh, because sometimes I was recovering from, you know, running one every weekend. But now it's going to be different because I am for example, on Saturday and Sunday, I might be running 20 miles every day, or I might be running 20 miles Saturday and 18 miles on Sunday. Then Monday, I I take it as a rest day after the long miles. And then Tuesday, that could be eight miles. And then Wednesday, that could be six miles. And then uh, Friday, I have it off again. So it's, it, it's, I think I missed a day there. I think it was Thursday missed, <laughs> but Thursday would be maybe another five miles or so. So it does range like that. Um, uh, but it, it, that's like kind of like the beginning stage so that you could kind of get used to, you know, just running on tired legs because at the end of the day, when you're running like an ultra, you're not going to have, you know, those fresh legs, but mm. you're going to be in mile 50 and you're going to be like, Oh, you're going to keep running, you know? And I think another thing I want to do is I want to train to walk or to walk faster. Mm. And simply by that, it's because you're not always going to be running the 100 miles. At some point, you're going to have to stop. And it's I need to have that good practice on how to walk fast, which I don't have at the moment. Yep, yep, definitely. I'm, I'm curious as to whether you're adding like yoga or Pilates in the mix there, because obviously we know that eating plant-based with all the compounds and the different nutrients that we get is great for recovery, but we can't ignore the importance of stretching. So I hope Jocelyn, you've learned your lessons and you're doing some sort of daily stretching, Pilates, yoga. What are you doing in your week? You know what? I, I took a Pilates class and I got to say that was the best class I ever took in my life. Not just like for one day, but it was like a semester in college. I took it best class, ever like even better than yoga I just enjoyed it because it was more about focusing on stretching doing certain exercises that you think you're not working out but you're really working out and kind of like getting yourself uh, building a stronger body um but yeah right now I'm doing stretching um my plan is honestly to focus a bit more on strength training this time around because I think that's my biggest weakness I don't do as much as I need to do uh, that's the, that's the truth. You know, I should be doing more of it. 
Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious as well, just to switch gears. And yes, you should do more stretching. I always say every time I interview an athlete, I just want to remind everyone to stretch more. Um, look, when we are representing kind of circling back to the beginning there, I, I try to bring on the podcast a, a fair bit of females because I think in, in life and from what I've kind of had a chance to examine in the world, generally speaking, there's potentially slightly less opportunities or different opportunities for females, especially in the fitness space, given that for a long time, men really dominated the area and females really go through different struggles. So I wondered if you have any struggles as a female or even in as part of the Latina community that are specific to those two communities that you would have advice for anyone in there. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I actually, my major is in computer information system. So it's a very male dominated field. Mm. Um, going to college, I was maybe the only girl in the class, or maybe there was another girl in there. But I kind of always, you know, have been surrounded by that. And I think the biggest thing is here just to, I guess, be fearless. You know what, like, at the end of the day, you got to be fearless, you got to believe in yourself. Um, that's one thing. I think that's one of the biggest thing that has given me the opportunity just to be present and take space and say, you know what, like, it doesn't matter if I'm not the smartest student or if I'm the best athlete, I'm going to take space here because I need to represent. And I also need to show like how strong women are, you know, because we are strong, you know, in every sense. And I think that's one of the things where, Many people might feel like, oh, but I'm not, I'm not the best. I'm not the strongest. You know, I'm not the smartest, but you got to take space and whatever way you can. And honestly, just got to be present and enjoy yourself. But I think the biggest thing is just believing in yourself. Uh, that's the thing that kind of allows me to just show up and be like, you know what? Here I am. I'm present and I'm just going to do me. Ready to rock and roll. Um, I'm going to extend the platform of advice giving for one more time. Uh, do you have any advice for someone who's wanting to run their first marathon? Oh, yes. Uh, if you're running your first marathon. <laughs> Are you marathon, ready for the list? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. If you're running your first marathon, I think that's very brave of you, first of all, to take that challenge and say, hey, I'm going to run a marathon. I think many people might consider, oh, it's just a marathon, but it is a long distance, 26.2 miles. An advice I would say is, you know, I, I'm going to say like you stretch a lot, stretch before your run, stretch after your runs. Even if you don't think you need it, just do it because it's going to prevent a lot of injuries in the future, um, which I could talk from experience. Uh, you know, sometimes I haven't stretched and I'm like, oh, here comes the chin splints. But I think uh, another advice would be, you know, have fun. Uh, don't forget, you know, you're doing this to enjoy yourself, to live life to the fullest. And honestly, even though the miles might go up every week, just try to have fun out there. Um, yeah, that's my advice, you know, stretching and having fun. I, I would actually be really surprised if you hadn't had any experience with injuries. I feel like like we're looking at studies out of like Stanford and Oxford every time they've published a study on runners they find that in between a 12-month period of pro, only pro athletes as their subjects, 95% of them will have an injury in any running season during the training part of it. So you've you got shin splints. What else What else is part of your regimen? 
you know, I actually got IT ban, which mm. IT ban is kind of really bad because if you ignore that pain, it spreads down to your knee, to your chin, to the to your foot, to the bottom of your foot, and all the way to your hip and your butt. So it's like your whole leg kind of is injured. And you're like, your movement is kind of like very minimum. So I would say if you're having any IT pain, just take care of that and really focus on recovering it. Uh, you know, do some rolling, do some strength training. Uh, strength training is literally the thing that solves a lot of these injuries. Many runners ignore doing strength training. And essentially that kind of gives it a relief for the muscle to use different muscles to kind of get them also stronger. So that's one of the things that the reason why I got a lot of injuries, I wasn't going and doing any strength training, but I, I think what else did I get injured? I got, I mean, chin splints was the most popular for me. Um, I think, yeah, I got, I mean, I, I got a broken toe one time. I still ran. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, uh, knee pain. You, you could say I, I, at some point I did get some knee pain, but you know, yeah. it, it's a lot of different injuries, you know? Yep. I, um, firstly, we've got to get you in some flat feet shoes, Jocelyn, get you training in some of those minimalist runners. It, um, is really strange for biomechanics, really good for running. I had an iliotibial band inflammation for a long time, which is the ITB. Um, for those who don't know, it's just, it's a large band that runs along the side of your femur. Um, and the pain is actually like, you're not joking. Like I, I couldn't even walk a hundred meters. Like I couldn't even walk for five minutes without pain, just shooting down into my foot. And, like it's it's frustrating as an athlete. Like I would I would come home and I would almost be in tears. It's like I've been training for three or four months to run this half marathon, marathon, whatever it was at the time, and now I can't even bloody walk. And you know, ignoring that pain, like that just made it so much worse. So my recovery time for ITB I think was three months. I couldn't run, and it's just sometimes it gets so bad. Because we ignore the little things, you know, it's muscular imbalances. It's not training properly. It's not running properly. You know, you don't want to roll because it's so painful, but then that makes it even more painful. Um, so I would definitely, oh, I totally relate with, with ITB. It's the worst and shin splints are the same. Um, it, it's, it's running is the worst and the best for your body. <laughs> oh man, you're making me laugh here yeah I, I agree you know it, it's kind of like you're doing something to kind of be healthier and you're like wait why am I getting hurt mm. doing all of these things but you gotta keep in mind that sometimes you know we go out there and like you say you know we're not doing it right or we're not doing it as good as we should other things is you know we could just be running a lot more miles we could go from you know running one week 20 miles and then the week we're doing 40 obviously your body is going to get, you know, injured that way. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. It's the most painful thing and listen to it. Cause if not, you're going to end up, you're going to end up messed up. Mm, basically. Sure. You know, what's really fascinating about that topic. I was actually chatting with all of my friends and my partner about this, exactly what you said. And I had the same mentality of, you know, you're trying to do this amazing thing for your body and you're trying to run and you're putting like, you know, this could be like, five, 10, 15, 20 hours of your week aside just to train. Like other people don't do that. So in your mind, this is where the real battle is because you're like, I'm doing so much more to be a healthy individual that other people aren't. And so you're comparing yourself to the average person and you're like, I'm so much healthier, but 
I think we really need to shift the goal goalpost on who we're comparing ourselves. Like we shouldn't compare ourselves to the average, I'm going to be really mean for a second, to the average American and the average Australian because the average American Australian gets 40 to 60% of their calories from ultra processed food. The average average person doesn't move a lot. And the average person, it's a really, again, not to sound too many, it's a really low bar to set ourselves with and compare it. I think when you start to get into the realm of health and fitness and want to do the best for ourselves, we need to compare ourselves to those who are 40, 50, 60 year olds and still running and still being active. Like what are they doing? Like they know how it's done. And that those are the people that um, you'll find time and time again are stretching. They've got their biomechanics, right? They're doing the strength work in balance work. They're eating generally a, a focus on a whole foods diet. And, and that's what we need to start comparing ourselves to because otherwise inside we're going to just beat ourselves up. You know what? I agree. I, at some point, I think that that was me. So I definitely think that's true. You know, I, at some point I was just like, Oh my God, like I should be healthy. Like I should be, you know, <laughs> yeah. be able to move around, but yeah, it just happens. I think it's, it's unfortunate that we have to deal with injuries. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's also like a way for you to, everything happens for a reason, you know, maybe that's just going to make you a better athlete in the future. So sometimes it does have to happen. For sure. Yeah. And so we're coming into 2022. What have you got planned for the, I I heard that you're looking at writing a book. Oh yeah. (laughs) I am planning to write a book. Uh, Started doing my writing, but yeah, um, I'm currently discussing it with different people. Um, Yeah. Are you in a position to say what it's about? Uh, Well, it's going to be about my 100 marathon journey. Um, also a bit about my life in the beginning. We don't want to just put running in there, but mm. uh, obviously I am going to put veganism in there too. And it's, it's something that's part of me now. But yeah, do you have any book ideas for the name? <laughs> Let's see if you have any, Tom. As if you don't just put like Jocelyn the Warrior. <laughs> like it just sounds so tough. Oh man, I was thinking, you know, maybe, you know, one, uh, you know, I was thinking the warrior 100 miles and um, 100 Ooh. marathons, but then I was like, I don't know. We'll see. I'm still looking around to see what the name will be. Yeah. There's so many opportunities for play on words. So if anyone has a play on word, just feel free to mess on, message Jocelyn on uh, Instagram, <laughs> get that done. Um, coming towards the end, I suppose, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to run about any kind of words of wisdom or any thoughts that you've been having recently about the world? Um, I think, you know, I think, I don't know. I, I I think something about, you know, I know you talk a lot about veganism. So I think one of the things that helped me be, you know, open to veganism. um, And I think it was like, you know, the people who were vegan were kind of a compassion with me to be like, Hey, you know, I understand you're not vegan, but you know, they kind of still treated me with a lot of compassion. And I think that's one of the things that I kind of have been seeing kind of like, there's always this whole thing about, you know, vegans are very like, you know, strong about it. But I think we still got to be very compassionate about it. Uh, because at the end of the day, that's how I became and several people become vegan by you going ahead and be like, hey, you could try this vegan option, you know, and being kind of open about it and be like, hey, uh, do you want to try this out? And essentially, you know, that's how people get kind of exposed to that vegan option out there, you know. And that's one of the things I try to do with my own, you know, social media. I just try to share like the good things and also like, hey, like you know, I one of those 
plates that we eat as Salvadorians are pupusas, which have meat and they have cheese and, you know, they have like corn uh, flour or basically it's kind of like very unhealthy, but I try to always make it like into like a healthy version of, you know, uh, pupusa. But um, yeah, many people are like, wait, what? There's vegan pupusas. And I'm like, yeah, I make them, you know, I personally make them. They're like, wow, I would try to, I would love to try that, you know? And it's kind of like things like that, that I realize that uh, it, like right now I, I kind of, kind of like, you know, there are a couple friends like, hey, how about you try, you know, going vegan for January? And luckily they were all, they're all on it right now. I mean, so far they're 12 days in, but they have so many more days to go. And I think that's it. You know, I think as a vegan, I try to treat people with compassion. And I think that's how we're going to be able to grow the com vegan community. Uh, because at the end of the day, like, you want to join someone who's compassion. And, you know, we're all compassionate at the end of the day, you know, because we're not just doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for animals. We're doing it for the planet. We're doing it for the environment. We're doing it for so many reasons. And I think it's something that we sometimes forget that, you know, at some point that was us too, you know, we were eating meat at some point. Not everyone, but, you know, some people were vegetarian. But I think that's just one point where I was just like, I, I would I love to share that point of view, you know? Yeah, for sure. We talk a lot about on the show on, on compassion and having it as really the spotlight to introduce people. Um, for me, it wasn't compassion. Um, and I was introduced through Patrick Baboumian. <laughs> Funny enough, just I just saw an article and went like that. But I know for a lot of people, it's just about planting seeds of opportunity, planting seeds of compassion. And for you, that might be sharing incredible recipes and ways to do things to shift people's paradigm on what it really looks like and what it can be. Like, I don't, I've never heard of a pupusa, but you made it sound incredible and vegan or not, I would want to try that. So I, I think it's a great way for me to kind of go towards the end of the episode now to really thank you for after, you know, discovering the lifestyle and what it can offer. And you're clearly a compassionate human, you know, the way that it offers help towards animals and the environment. And of course your health and your recovery for your runs, I'd like to extend the thanks on behalf of the animals for actually speaking out on social media about it, because at the end of the day, even your friends um, drawing inspiration from your change, considering what you've been able to accomplish on a plant-based or plant-exclusive diet, should I say, has become a source of inspiration for not only them, but a lot of people. And then in turn, that saves a lot of animals. And that's something that we don't hear a lot of thanks about. So I really want to extend that thank you to you, Jocelyn, and as well, Thank you again for coming on and sharing this incredible conversation. Um, if anyone wants to find you, um, I'll leave all the ways in the show notes. But is Instagram probably the best way to reach you? Yeah, definitely Instagram would be the best way. And by the way, I don't think no one has ever thanked me like you have. So thank you for that. But I think, yeah, you know, uh, thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, we, you don't need to thank me. But yeah, I mean, it's good to say, you know, we kind of think we should thank each other, you know. We're doing it for people who can't say anything or can't say thank you back. Hi there. Welcome to the end of the episode. Thank you for listening the whole way through. If you enjoyed this conversation between Jocelyn and I, let us let her know on Instagram how that landed for you. Shoot her a message. I've left her Instagram in the show notes below and every other way you can connect with her. I'm really excited to see her develop as a plant-based athlete and really excited for what she can accomplish amongst her ultra marathons and of course her new book. 
I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot of her in the PBN space and in the news space in general as an up and coming athlete. So I'm really excited for her. And if you left a review, amazing. Thank you. If you didn't, please do so. Go ahead and do that. And besides that, that's that's all for me. That's all the rambling you'll get from me this week. I'll see you guys on next week's episode. Stay happy. Eat plants. Peace.